0: Welcome to Higher Calling Wildlife with award-winning wildlife journalist Chester Moore. From deep investigations to interviews with top experts, Higher Calling Wildlife is the place to get informed and inspired about all things wildlife. Here with Brian Barrera and Captain, Captain Brian Barrera and Captain Luis Flan is the third, and we've been talking. We did another show, which you can go back and listen to. It's really awesome talking about the overall fishery down here, and but I want to talk just about the trout fishing down here. And you said you do a big percentage of your fishing is actually for trout.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a it's a species that I offer on my guide trips, and it's something that I can get most people on. You know, it's mm. it's the trout that we've got good numbers here, and you can find you know the the slot size, and and you can always run into a trophy here and there. We've got uh, areas that hold lots of lots of healthy trout. You know, the, we've got the the deeper drop offs, and we've got the mud shell bottoms, mm. and trout like to hang out in those areas. So it's a uh, it's a good place to to come down and target trout definitely.
0: So say someone wants to come down here and freelance it and, and go catch them a. You know, come catch them a big trout. You mentioned some transition zones right there. We have mm-hmm. mud and shell and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Will that maybe be a good
1: starting point to start looking for those little bit bigger fish? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've got uh, those mud shell bottoms, mm-hmm. and uh, most of the time these fish lay are laying their bellies on there and waiting for fish to come by. Um, the transition that we have, I'd, I'd call it like a transition. Uh, color change would be a color change where you've got the cre- clear water, and then you've got uh, a little bit greenish margarita color water and then it turns into chocolate water so that's a little transition that we call the color change and most of the time um you can you these trout like to hang out in that transition right in that margarita water that we call it and uh, margarita water its <laughs> like a country song <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah people love that but it, that's the trout the trout like that that area where that, that that zone you know because it's not too dirty not too clean so they can hide there they can hide, and they can sit in the grass, and no one can see them, and they, and, uh, they just it's a good spot to target trout. Okay, so Brian, we the other podcast that we did, we talked
0: about snook and how persnicky they can be and bass-like. Um, big speckled trout, there's, there's a certain point, in my opinion, in a trout's life where it kind of shifts to a point where it's like, no, I'm not going to go chase, you know, a hundred shad a day. I'm going to get one big croaker, one big mullet, a couple of baits like that. Uh, do you find that kind of down here, people are pressuring the bigger fish, that the bigger fish are even a bigger challenge, even if you see them, to get to bite? Um, I, I think so. Yeah.
2: Yes, they're definitely a bigger challenge to get them to, get them to bite. Mm-hmm. And I believe uh, that you know the bigger fish are targeting bigger bait fish. The bigger bait fish, to eat. yeah. yeah. Um, I had a friend when I was in college, uh, we were both studying wildlife together and did a big Big thing on on the trout, and you know a lot of the younger trout where it was like you know 80 mm-hmm. percent uh, crustacean shrimp and small crabs and 20 percent bait fish, mm-hmm. and once they got like 26 inches and bigger, it was yeah. like 80 percent bait fish and 20 mm-hmm. percent shrimp and other small things, mm-hmm. and um, those big fish, I think they're hanging in the shallow chasing those big baits Mm -hmm. and they're harder to get they're harder to get to eat they're they're smart and inside those shallow waters it's harder to fool one of those fish rather than in five feet where you can sneak up on them super easy you know they're in 13 14 inches of crystal clear water and, Mm -hmm. and you're in a flats boat that's slapping on the getting hull slap or or you know you're walking up creating a
0: mud patch or anything like that you know If there's anything better than catching a big trophy trout, it's catching a big trophy trout on a topwater. I mean, obviously, that's the apex in terms of the fun factor of it. Um, Do you have an early morning or pre-dawn topwater bite down here?
2: Yes. Yes, we do. I love throwing topwaters. Uh Um, I would say I think we so far this year we've caught six or seven trout that are on my guide trips that are 29 and three quarters or 30 inches and above, Mm -hmm. and I'd say four or five are on topwaters and most of them are on topwaters and i trout fish i'm using topwaters yeah um i just feel like they will actually i personally feel like they'll eat it better than a jig sometimes i don't know what it is it's, it just it just mm-hmm. angers them or mm-hmm. or what but uh i have a lot of luck with my clients to catching really big trout i'll have you know in the past i would do um one topwater mm-hmm. and two guys throwing jigs mm-hmm. you know and now when i go out there and i got people that want to catch are like I don't want a 24, 25, 26. No, I want a yeah. I want a 9 10 pounder dude. Now gets it gets to the inch
0: like yeah. Yeah, we're going to go up to 26 this time. Yeah. The 27 next
2: time. Yeah, they're allowed. He's like I'm not playing around with those. Those are just big <laughs> cool fish. I want a monster. <laughs> and I just want need one. I don't care if we don't catch anything else. And I'm like, well, we're going to go out there and throw some big topwaters. Yeah. And different sizes of topwaters and and that's what we're going to do. The biggest ones that I've landed have been on that my girlfriend uh in September of all months where they're not really Mm -hmm. really fat. She landed one that was above ten pounds on a you know, a a Colt Sniper top water lure, a little three inch, you know, bait Mm -hmm. that just to walk the dog style bait and hammered it and we caught that fish, pulled it in and it had uh it was like had about a fourteen inch horse mullet inside of its stomach. We saw the tail hanging out, and it started spitting it out as we were landing it. It still
0: wants to eat, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so
2: top water is just where it's at for me, and that's what everybody loves to come and catch them on, you know, unless if I'm in the deeper water, then Mm -hmm. I'll throw a quarter-ounce jig head on and a four-inch jerk bait.
0: Yeah. Now, you mentioned um, water. We're talking about water clear, margarita water, and Mm -hmm. whatever, kind, bourbon water, whatever else you guys have down here. Yeah. Yeah. when you're going in these different water clarities like on the upper coast we have tea- colored water and milk chocolate colored water you yeah. know that and then every once in a while sandy green that's like our apex right but down here it's different degrees of clear pretty much most of the time yep um, even in those degrees of clear is what is the color of your top water for trout making a difference
2: um, I don't I don't have any better luck on anyone's. I, I mean I feel that in the springtime I throw a lot of pink okay and that's just I don't I never discovered that I just heard about it and yeah. I started doing it and I had luck doing it <laughs> hey, I don't it. know if I could do it like I could maybe <laughs> go out there and throw a black one and it would happen but springtime comes I'm like yeah it's pink topwater time and mm-hmm. I catch them like that I throw a glow topwater a lot mm-hmm. also just like a bone slash glow color yeah and um, that's just a well-known one, and then mm-hmm. you know, I, I throw a lot of ones that just mimic a, a mullet, you know, just with a little mm-hmm. bit shinier, you know, flash mm-hmm. on it. Now, Louis,
0: not sure. Now, Luis, you mentioned uh, earlier when we were talking, and you mentioned pop, the top waters. I mean, uh, of corks using popping corks and plastics. Yes. I mean, in a certain way, uh, a, a popping cork serves as sort of a top water to grab a fish's attention, and you yeah. have the bait below it, right? Um, uh, are you sticking with that pattern a lot or you sometimes just go, you know what, I just want to watch a topwater get mauled?
1: Oh yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll switch over. If I've got in certain situations where you don't necessarily have a lot of wind at your back yeah. and you can't really get a bait far enough sometimes, yeah, you know, you'll we'll switch over to a topwater mm-hmm. and you can definitely add 20 yards to your cast and switch over to that and, and get eats on that. So we've got lots of good solid trout on top water, you know, keepers, and then you'll get surprised by a big big trout sometimes. So yeah. definitely we'll make that switch.
0: Now, in this clear water down here, whether it's on a, a leader or um, with just your line, are you guys having to use fluorocarbon? Do you find that these fish are spooky with line?
1: Um, they, they can be, especially in the crystal clear water, you know, yeah. and fluorocarbon is usually uh, the way to go, you know, yeah. and they, it's just disappears and it's just you get a lot more eats. Instead of catching maybe three or four fish, you'll, you'll catch seven or eight yeah. of them. So it, it does make a difference for sure.
0: Yeah. The first time I ever messed with fluorocarbon, it was in really clear lakes bass fishing. Yeah. And uh, it was amazing to me the difference that I was getting it on it. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm using this forever for stuff, you know, <laughs> because yep. um, now when you're dealing with yuho colored water, doesn't really matter so much, <laughs> but uh, when you're in this clear stuff, you know, because the... Laguna Madre, it's more of a quartz-based sand down here. And uh, I had Dr. David McKee on uh, talking about the difference in sand. While the water stays clear, it's more of a heavier quartz based than some of the other parts of the thing. And you have that clear water year-round. And I think that if someone wants to come, to like South Padre, do some solo fishing. Of course, I recommend getting a guide, at least the first time you come someplace. Uh, Make sure and try to book these guys. They're awesome. But um, if you're going out solo like that, I'll always say study the area and do every little detail that you can to make your limited time on the water work. And that's why I ask about fluorocarbon because a lot of guys, ah, i just fish my normal stuff,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely, definitely. That, that has to be one of, one of the go-tos on there.
0: Now, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the prey base, we mentioned mullet here. Um, but is there a time that switches? I mean, are, are there? Is there a time where, like, okay, even the big ones are on shrimp, or mm. uh, do you get a time where they're in, in the in the in the in the grass eating pinfish? I mean, is there a certain time where, like, they're on something they don't want anything else?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, they'll they'll move around. So that saying that, you know, a lot of times in the winter time, we'll catch them more in the clear water because yep. it's nice and, and and warmer in there for them. So they'll mm. be eating a lot more pinfish. And uh, you'll find pen, they'll be spitting out pinfish and stuff like that. So you'll try to mimic that with okay. a jerk bait or a, a three-inch shad or something like that. And then in the seas- these summer months, they start moving over into the the deeper, cooler waters at Margarita transition. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit more of a mud shell mix there. There's some grass in there as well, mm-hmm. but there's there's a lot, little more crabs and there's a there's lots of schools of mullet and stuff like that and shrimp. So they'll be spitting the shrimp out. So that's why it's always a go go-to thing to, to try to mimic whatever they're eating and. Um, that does change throughout the seasons, definitely.
0: Now, Brian, when you you know one, one thing I love is when I see a trout like circle my top water before it hits it. You know, every once in a while mm-hmm. you'll see that kind of action. Uh, in this clear water, do you find that the trout are maybe a little spookier to come up and hit the top water sometimes? Uh, and when you get hit in an area like this, where that fish can see you a lot of times, actually see the action that's going on. Uh, is there, like, we're going to let that fish take the bait? Or are you going to set the hook quickly? What's your favorite thing to do there?
2: It depends It depends what I'm doing. Um, I feel the really, really big ones,
0: they don't care. They're mean, and they're yeah. not afraid of okay. nothing. Like and they're going to come and
2: smash that. Uh, the, the 22s, the 23s, they're mm-hmm. not on the top of the food mm-hmm. chain yet. They might think about it. I feel like the really big ones just don't care. They're going to hit it tw- 10
0: feet from the boat if they really want it. Just an FYI, you realize how spoiled this is. You guys are going, oh, just the 22s, 23s, 24s, twenty-five. <laughs> those guys yeah. are out there. and we'll, you know, Because social media world, I want to let you know that those are the 35-inchers you're seeing on Facebook. I just want you to let you just figure that out, okay? All right. <laughs> Get a long arm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You give them the guide stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, come on, man. It's better to make it look small. I'll give you that. But, uh, yeah. yeah, so that's interesting. That it's, like, it's almost like you're saying you're dialing down. Mm-hmm. To find those particular big fish. Yep, and we have a lot of grass here
2: too, and mm-hmm. like as you said about letting them eat it, not letting them eat it. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends what what we're doing. Um, I'll throw a big, you know, like I said, that cold sniper with a hard bait with the treble hooks a lot, mm-hmm. but we do get a lot of floating grass, and uh, we've got a, a soft plastic top water. That is a, a single hook, weedless, okay. and DOA makes it. And that thing, oh, it's, it's a 5 eighth ounce, and you can launch it. And uh, lots of times when it's grassy, we're doing that. And when you're doing that, it's kind of like frog fishing. I keep going back to bass. It's kind of like frog fishing. I you mean, don't this... set the hook until you feel the fish. You know until what I'm you feel talking it? about? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Like, you almost, well, it's almost easier to work at nighttime where you might hear it blow up, but you just keep on working it until you feel it, and then mm-hmm. you set the hook. The other ones, lots of times when they blow it up, they snag the side of their face or they actually get the hooks or something You mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. a lot better hookup ratio um but they have a better chance of coming off too. Now and
0: what's in, that particular plug by the way the, the that's a that's
2: a DOA PT7, PT7 it's a weedless okay. yeah. PT7's got a custom 70 trocar hook on there mm-hmm. and I'll tie it on a big piece of uh fluorocarbon cuz like to to touch base on what you and Lise, uh, Luis spoke about mm-hmm. Um, why we use fluorocarbon, a lot of that reason is because our water is so shallow mm-hmm. and um, so clear. We need to get as much casting distance as we can. Mm-hmm. So we're doing things like going to a seven six rod, okay. and we're using 10-pound braid rather than, you know, you can't boat flip or just tie straight to 10-pound braid sure. to catch a speckled trout or a snook or whatever. They're going to pop it off. You know, yep. Lots of people are throwing bait casters with 30-pound mm-hmm. up north, mm-hmm. it's up 20-pound where you can it can handle it. But we're downsizing to, like, 10-pound braids that way – uh, and putting a 30-pound, 25-pound fluorocarbon leader on it. So that mm-hmm. way our clients will get that extra 10 yards because that extra 10 yards would be the big difference, you know?
0: Yeah, I imagine with the bigger fish, warier, that kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know, and being able to close the distance like that. So uh, I, I love being able to go into the um, – not like the mind of the speckled trout, but, uh, but like going into these different areas. And you have the same fish that's in Florida, same fish that's in South Carolina and Louisiana. Mm-hmm. But there's nuances about their behavior and things, these different habitats. And the seagrass – so, Luis, you mentioned, um, you know, you mentioned the seagrass and, and, and the margarita water, different things like that. Yeah. Uh, do you ever catch them when they're like, I mean, let's, we're going, let's go full on bass fishing here, boys. Uh, <laughs> do you ever catch them down in the grass? Do you ever throw a spoon or something down, actually a weedless
1: spoon through the grass? Something Have you ever weedless. had that kind of thing? Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, a, lot, a lot of times they'll they'll hide themselves in the grass. You know, mm-hmm. you, you won't ever see them. You know, our grass is really thick and yeah. they'll go in there and they'll just disappear. So sometimes you got to throw a weedless hook on. And uh, my favorite, my go-to would be a jerkbait. You know, you a can jerkbait, jerk okay. shad. Yeah. From DOA lures, you throw the four inch jerkbait and yep. you can kind of pull it in and out of those grass blades okay. and they're sitting there and it kind of bumps them on the head or passes right in front of them and mm-hmm. you pull them out like that. So, definitely you want to you switch over to some weedless jigs and, and target some some big trout that hide in that grass. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting, those seagrass habitats. And that's a conservation moment here. I mean, obviously, you know, we just had this major freeze of 2021. There's some new regulations for this whole part of Texas, thank God, for right now to conserve for those who aren't maybe ethical enough or, you know, forward-thinking enough to take those measures like that. And um, But there still are lots of good trout here. It didn't, like, wipe out the whole fishery. Got to be really conscientious about these things. But this the habitat itself, I mean, I think we're talking Laguna Madre. We're talking um, these acres and miles of seagrass. So, right, right. you know, what percentage of your trout fishing is based around seagrass?
1: I'd say... I'd say 80% of it would be, you know, most Mm -hmm. of the time, you know, we're drifting a flat where there's scattered grass patches Mm -hmm. and I'll tell people to aim for the grass patches because that's where they hang out. And uh, of course, grass brings life. Everybody knows that. So if you find some grass, there's going to be food in there and uh, it's, it's full, it's full of grass, like you said, for miles and miles. And, and, um, that's, that's just perfect for, for the trout. They love that.
0: So something I experience in Louisiana and on the upper coast, what I call wolf packs, where it's like, you know, better than average size. It's not your 25-inch averages down here, whatever you got talking about. (laughs) But, uh, you know, those 18- to 22-inch fish, nice fish that'll be real tight to banks, and they seem to be all about the same size. There's no little ones with them. Do you ever have down here in this part of the world— where you find a pot of fish and they're all, like, big fish? Or, or, or you find more solitary big fish?
1: Um, well, I I've, I've have run into, you know, moments where there's big trout hanging out together, yeah. you know, and I'm talking upper slot, the old upper slot, which was 25 inches or, yeah. or bigger. Yeah. So th- I have had moments where I've had people catch two, slot trout at the same time and, and moments like that, you know, and, uh, but most of the time when you're targeting a big trout, or at least myself, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll, it's kind of like I'm working for that solid, that solo big mm-hmm. trout where I mm-hmm. kind of feel like a big trout's going to be hanging out here, whether mm-hmm. it's on a point or on a mm-hmm. certain drop-off or in a certain pothole, we call mm-hmm. those sand holes out here. And, um, you know, that's the way I'll, I would target a, a solo trout.
0: Okay, so Brian, Mr. Bass Snook guy over here, okay, here you go. uh, we're going to have fun on the water. But um, when you're fishing, you mentioned winter in the thermocline here, and yep. you mentioned, you know, the you the, the said probably 80% of the snook are in the channel in the deeper water that time of year. Mm-hmm. Have you ever come across big trout down around the thermocline, or big trout suspended in that deep water?
2: Well, that's it's funny you ask, because, you know, since the freeze, yeah, um, I don't need Weird to say it, but I'm, you know, feel bad for fish at places that had their most of their population go. But I've had probably my best big trout year I've had in, possibly my whole life or wow. the last eight to ten years with these trout mm-hmm. uh, since the freeze. Wow. Um, not as far as catching numbers of slot trout go, but big trout. Yeah. And that's because I'm I'm fishing for those snook in that deep water. Interesting. Um, three four days a week, and I'm going to my snook holes where it's 18 feet deep. And I drop down there and I'm, you know, jigging for some snook, thump something, mm-hmm. bring it up. I think it's a big snook. Boom, see some purple down there and 29-inch trout, wow. you know. And, that's um, not, we that's were, awesome bycatch, yeah. by the way. Yeah, that's very good <laughs> bycatch, you know. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just I, I was counting at first when we first got it because I mm-hmm. put it on my Facebook and stuff like that. And I think we had 47 trout on my charters, 47 Mm -hmm. drought that were 28 inches or bigger since the freeze uh, in that deep water. And it just gets to spots where um, I'm not used to seeing them. I was like, um, me and Luis are talking about scattered fish. Like there might be four on this, six on this flat, Mm -hmm. but they're not right now. They're not wolf packing it. They're just like it here. So Mm -hmm. they're probably here. But this is where I first was encountering schools of big fish like that. And I think it's because it's deeper water. Mm -hmm. And all the snook holes where I normally would be thumping snook, I'm thumping big trout. Like we might thump one tomorrow. You know, who knows? That's a good thing. Uh, yeah, it's a good thing, and um, you know, I just feel like they sat in that in that deep water, okay. And it's made the snook fishing a little bit more difficult too, because a trout, they're gonna a 28 inch trout is gonna eat before a big snook every time. Yeah, you know? and those trout are gonna outcompete those snook for every spot and every hole that's in there. Yeah, they're gonna they school up and they're gonna eat all the bait and all the food, and so. Like I said, I'm, I'm trying to catch snook in my snook spots, and I've been thumping huge trout as in a bycatch all winter. I'm having my best trout season of the year on accident. Wow. That's the yeah.
0: quote of the show. Yeah. Uh, now, I've got to go down this rabbit hole with you. So uh, you're talking about these fish in deeper water. Are they like, you know, are they suspending? They're suspending okay. in,
2: in some areas. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends what kind of bottom there is. Okay. Um, areas where there's not a lot of structure, not a lot of oysters, that also, they'll be Belly scraping. I'll pull them up with red stomachs and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. lots of them where, I'm, where there's structure, old falling down docks, riprap, things mm-hmm. like I told you I fished for snook, old mesquite trees that are falling down in there, mm-hmm. and it's uh, 16 feet deep. I'm pulling them off of that stuff. Suspended. Oh, wow. Suspended. And uh, and it's, it's a, a few of them. It's more than one or two. Yeah, you know? And they've thinned out since. Okay. But I think that they stuck around in there for a very long time after the freeze, and I think a lot of them were spawning in there. They just got happy. And uh, there was a lot of bait. And it was still cold, and they were like, "The heck with going out into the flats for now." I'm waiting until, until
0: June. Yeah, because we've had a lot more late season fronts, mm-hmm. you know, than we've having a typical. It's blowing out of the north today. Yeah, which is insanity, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but uh, I wonder if a drop shot rig would work good for those bottom fit, those belly to the bottom fish. I plan I stick. bet you it would. I've never tried it. Yeah, but a drop shot rig would work. Pretty yeah, good. I've caught deep water flounder on the drop shot. You yeah, know, I do a lot of flounder stuff. It's kind of my thing, and. You know, we had some spots in a river we were fishing, and I'm like, you know, I bet a drop shot would work. I bet and, you it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really really neat stuff. So, um, all right, we appreciate you talking about Speckled Trout and our Speckled Trout Saga series on Higher Calling Gulf Coast. I'm going to wrap up with this. Tell me the story of the biggest trout you've ever had that got away. You ever um, have a heartbreaker?
2: Yep, yep. <laughs> I had some one time uh um I had – uh Mark Nichols, guy looked I know up Mark. to him big time. Yeah. Looked up to him big time. I was an employee of DOA for a while and so yeah, I had him then we'd come down and we would hang out. Yeah Mark's and I, the guy I had him out and I was starstruck, Mark, first time we were down and mm-hmm. we got into some very big trout school. Like we, we were catching them for like a week together hanging mm-hmm. out. And I hooked one that was definitely uh ten pounds. <laughs> and uh he was always talking smack to me for having my drag too tight. <laughs> Having my drag too tight, and I was like, man, we winched these things in down here, Mark. Don't worry about it. You know, and then and I hooked this monster one. I hadn't seen a trout like that since I was a little kid. Yeah. Ten pound fish, 32, 33-inch fish. And uh maybe 10 feet in front of the boat, my hook came flying out. I was like, oh, it came off. And I looked at my my jig head, and my jig head was straight. It got straightened <laughs> out. And I looked at him and he was looking at me and he busted me. I tried to hide it. And he busted me, and he yelled at me for he yelled at me, and made me feel like an idiot for having my drag too tight. And ever since then, I have my drag set to TV show drag, and
0: TV show drag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a little
2: bit. I, well, for like a month, I was I was scared. I set it to TV show drag for a while, and I tightened it up a little bit now. Just a little bit.
1: Yeah. All right, Louise, tell me your heartbreaking story. Oh man, heartbreaking. <laughs> You've got to go through the heartbreak moments. We do. Yeah. Well, it's therapy for us. Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'd have to go back to a moment when um, I was actually running a guide trip. And I had one of a really good client of mine where it's just one person and mm-hmm. I'm able to fish with them. And, of course, we were throwing artificial lures and mm-hmm. uh, we're working in an area that was usually for reds. And like Brian said earlier, sometimes these big trout hang out with uh, with the redfish because they're eating kind of the same bait. And, yeah. and uh, working this, this jerk bait and I hooked I hook something that I thought was a red because it never came mm-hmm. up, never came out. Started peeling drag and I thought it was a huge red. And I said, hey, man, you want to reel this in? You know, because he hadn't hooked up yet. And he's like, no, I'll let you bring that one in, of course. So I play this fish all the way to the boat, thinking it's a redfish the whole time, because it never came up. And, uh, you know, I I get it up to the boat, and I was just going to grab him. And all of a sudden, it just comes up and does a big old head shake, and it's like at least a 30-inch trout, something like that, and spits a hook right in my face. And I can still see that picture in my mind of its big yellow mouth, you know, (laughs) looking at me, and then (laughs) spitting, taking off, so... That, that'd be definitely my worst heart heartbreaking heart moment. Since you've got bared your souls, I'll share a story from, <laughs> from
0: my recollection. This is like a long time ago when I was just a pup and I was a young outdoor writer fishing the Chandelier Islands off the coast of. Uh, we were on Breton Island out there, which is kind of off Venice, Louisiana, between there and Biloxi. And uh, it was like mega shark central. They were like, I've never seen so many sharks I've seen there. And there were quite a few getting, you know, hitting the fish coming in and stuff like that. So uh, I kind of have a story like you. Uh, I have this good trout on. I don't know, quite know how good it is. I just knew it was a trout and I knew it was hefty. And I saw, I'm like, there's a, and I, and there was a lot of sharks. So, you know what? I'm just going to tighten my drag up a little bit. We're going to kind of horse this fish in and get because I don't want to draw. And I'm pretty far out. I don't want a shark any closer to me than I have to be because there's bull sharks everywhere, right? Well, this shark, this this trout makes a spin around me, and I look at it, and I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> you know, it's probably 28, 29 inch fish, which is really, really big for down there. And I'm like, my drag's too tight, and I'm, i got, and I got it on the plastic, right? And I'm like, okay, we're gonna try to get it in. We're gonna get the net, and that fish just went zzzz pop, open that mouth up, and just I, it's like slow motion in my mind. You know, you can see the jig just Pow! dislodging, and then the water. And I never caught, even got a trout remotely that big anywhere in the category down in that area ever again in my life. But, uh, but you know what? As bad as those moments are, it's kind of the moments like that that keep us out on the water, you know, to redeem ourselves, right? So, yep, yeah, yeah, absolutely,
1: man. Yeah, keeps so, you coming back for more.
0: That's it. So uh, if you want. A really awesome trip. You can go to the podcast description. We'll have all their links and their social media and stuff. Brian, Luis, thank you for coming to Higher calling Gulf coast and talking speckled
1: trout. Thanks for having us.
2: It's been said that bonefish provide us practice. Tarpon provide us excitement. Permit provide us humility, but what can we provide them in return for so enriching our lives? (laughs) Our support for the science behind the fight our support for Bonefish and Tarpon Trust. Please join us today at btt.org.
1: These species' well-being depends on
0: This is Chester Moore, editor-in-chief of Texas Fish and Game, the oldest and largest outdoor magazine in Texas, and its sister website, fishgame.com. Between these two the award-winning outlets, we cover everything outdoors in Texas and beyond. While we provide you with plenty of hook and bullet how to information, we have committed to our resources to bringing you the most comprehensive coverage of wildlife, habitat, and environmental issues that we can. You can get this award winning coverage by subscribing to the Texas Fishing Game Print Edition six issues a year by calling 800-725-1134. That's 800-725-1134 or going online to fishgame.com. You can also sign up for our three times per week e-newsletter to stay current on everything affecting fishing, hunting, camping, shooting, and enjoying the glorious great outdoors. Thanks for listening to Higher Calling Wildlife. Find us on Facebook at Higher calling Wildlife. At the Chester Moore on Instagram and our blog at highercalling.net. To contact Chester, email chester at chestermore.com.